Welcome to the Weird Works Podcast. I'm Dr. Christy, your host. Join us for conversations about alternative and sometimes controversial healthcare topics. This podcast will provide the evidence that you need in order to make informed decisions about your health, to empower you with the facts that you need to advocate for your health, and to encourage you that there is hope your body heals. Join us from experts from all things weird, as well as the testimonies of people with stories of radical healing who were once told that perhaps their condition was a death sentence, that they would just need to live with it, or that drugs and invasive surgery were the only answer. Let's get into agreement that if there is something natural and non-invasive that could be helpful, that it could be your first option rather than your last resort. Hey everybody, you are listening to another um, episode of the Weird Works Podcast. Today I have Leanne Vogel and we are calling this episode Parasites in the Full Moon because parasites can have you howling at the moon, but they can also be active during the moon. And we're going to talk all of that in a second, but let me first introduce you to our guest speaker. Leanne is a registered holistic nutritionist or otherwise known as a keto nutritionist. She's the host of the Keto Diet Podcast, creator of one of the largest keto resources on YouTube, and she's also the founder of Happy Keto Body. Her first book, The Keto Diet, which is where I actually first learned about Leanne and started following her, was an international bestseller. And fun fact, it was the first ketogenic book to debut at Costco ever. Uh, She has also released the Keto Diet Cookbook and Keto for Women, which we'll put all those links in the show notes so you can get all her awesome materials after because I know you're going to want to learn more. Her goal is to help you do away with feeling overpowered and controlled by food by giving you the tools you need to inject your life with happiness, helpfulness, and a whole lot of dietary fat, which is awesome. So I always like to say, why? Why did I bring Leanne on the podcast? And recently, she's been posting a lot about parasites. So this is one of those topics that comes up in practice every day. And nobody's ever happy to hear the word parasites when we test, they test positive for them. It's kind of like that company that you never invited in the first place. But Leanne's work with the helpful pursuit kind of came out of her own frustration, like many of our patients, of being told they're normal, but they know they're living in a body that doesn't feel like their normal helpful self that they once remember. And also after like tests and poke and prodding and all this other specialist and all comes back normal, normal, normal. And then unfortunately, sometimes they even say it's all in your head. So I thought she really represents the Weird Works audience in a way of being an expert on some of these topics like parasites, but as well as having lived it out herself. So without further ado, Leanne, come on with me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Dr. Christy. This is great. You're very welcome. So I thought, I mean, that's your intro, but do you want to introduce yourself more in like what's your story? Like, how did you get involved in like natural medicine in the first place? Oh my goodness. How much time do you have? Well, I know, right. Simple story. Um, I had an eating disorder, um, from a very young age until I was about 30 years old. And, um, about halfway through that, a colleague noticed that I was quite unwell and suggested that I study nutrition. And he had done research for me and found a school down the street from our office and said, like, why don't you just go? They are having an open house. Um, I think it was even that week. They're having open house this week. I think he'd really been planning this. And um, I went there and it was really interesting. And I thought, hey, why not? I could learn some stuff about my body and that would be cool. And by the time I graduated, 
I was so interested and also a little bit angry that there were so many things that I didn't know. I remember coming home from school when we learned about toxins in perfumes and, and dishwasher detergent. I remember just going around with a black garbage bag, just tossing out everything. Like there was a lot, there was so much to learn. And that really started um, in 2007. And so from 2007 on, I've continued to learn uh, dabbling in vegan plant-based diets to finding the ketogenic diet in 2014, overcoming amenorrhea, which is a lack of period, which I had for eight years, um, using the ketogenic diet to do that. And then in 2020, I was diagnosed with a chronic um, entamoeba histolytica, which is a pathogenic parasite, which slowly makes you absolutely miserable and super ill. And that was, like you said, nobody wants to hear, you know, about the whole parasite thing. But when you're hit with that information, I thought I, I had a pretty good handle on my health. I was eating really well, but things just weren't aligning. And to be given that diagnosis kind of took me down the realm of parasites and mold and metals and Lyme and all these chronic issues that plague so, so many. And unfortunately, allopathic care is just behind in that piece. And they don't um, do a great job necessarily at the whole parasites piece, especially unfortunately with parasites, it has to really go off symptoms that the chance of finding a parasite in a test mm -hmm. is, uh, it's really challenging. And so, yeah, that kind of started off, um, my interest in going a little bit deeper and understanding that a ketogenic diet is fantastic, especially when we're dealing with mold, which oftentimes comes with parasites. Um, but it's not the be all end all for all. And for those who have just been trying so many different ways, left, right, center of, of trying to get their health on point and the diet's just not enough and they're not losing weight and they're feeling crummy. Um, that's, that's kind of how I got that the evolution of, of my business. Yeah, no, and it makes perfect sense. I think that's why it comes through like you're so passionate about what you do in your speaking and in your writing and everything. I think like a lot of healers, we all had to heal ourselves. And now we're like, gosh, you've got to take this forward and help other people because this information isn't common knowledge. You're totally right. Yeah, completely. And even to just understanding symptomatology, I think is so, so, so important um, and so my job as a practitioner and even with myself and my own health is pooling together symptoms that make a story. And I think oftentimes as practitioners, it becomes very easy for us to say, oh, well, we'll just run a lab for that. Or we'll, we'll just check, uh, you know, a certain, the GI map, let's look at the GI map. What does it say? Okay. That's what we do, but it's really important for us as individuals managing our own care with the people that we choose to hire, or maybe we're doing it ourselves. And also as practitioners to understand that there is, you know, blood work or functional labs that we are using with our clients, but also the symptomatology piece is important. And then just how the person's feeling. I can't tell you how many times I meet with a client and they're like, I went to this practitioner and I said, all these things were going on and they ran my blood work and everything was fine. So I guess I'm okay. But it's like, there's a disconnect here. And my, I want to encourage everyone that I connect with is like, if you don't feel right, if you feel like something's off, you know, your body better than anybody else. And so right. if you feel like something's off, either do the research yourself and get your hands dirty and get in there or hire somebody that is willing to look not only at blood work and uh, functional testing, which is super informative, but also 
how you are feeling in your body and valuing that just as much as a blood test. Agreed. I think too, you know, like we talk about allopathic medicine and we know that procedures and medications come with a laundry list of side effects and all, but like one day I kind of had this epiphany, like the worst side effect of going allopathic and, you know, reducing symptoms only is a disconnect with your body's ability to tell you what's going on. Cause you, you just continue to numb the symptoms. Your body can't tell you, you know, those symptoms were there for a reason. So I love that you pointed that out. Yes, completely. They are. And it's really that, um, check engine light, you know, when it comes to yeah. your cycle, if it's off a little bit or, um, your sleep, if it's off a little bit, your bowels, if they're off a little bit like that, these are all check engine lights. If you see your check engine light go off on your car, I don't know about you, but if that <laughs> happens with me, I'm like, quick stat, find somebody quickly, like right. something's wrong. But for our bodies, we're like, eh, I'm sure it's fine. Or you're right. We do numb those feelings and numb those symptoms by chasing symptoms. And that's yeah. that delicate balance of not chasing every single symptom and even not chasing every single item. Um, there are things in, for example, a GI map, a stool test where I see it and I'm like, okay, that's good to know, but I'm not going to chase that because I know it's not root cause. And so right. as we're kind of layering things together, I'm, I'm starting to see that though parasites are important, is it root cause? I don't think so. I think parasites are able to exist in a body where things are imbalanced. Generally, they're able to exist in a body that's been subjected to mold. They're able to exist in a body that has heavy metal toxicity. And so the body allows these certain things to cultivate um, when it's imbalanced. And mm -hmm. so ultimately, I think the root cause of most illness is just that not paying attention to those symptoms and letting things just continue sliding. And the moment we're like, Hey, wait a minute. I think there's actually something off that. Right. But surely. And I mean, it's taken me quite a while and it's an ongoing process. I think that's another piece to it is it, there's no end destination. And as I was working through my own parasitic stuff and kept getting reinfected, it was so incredibly frustrating because our, if our bodies are allowing parasites in, they're going to allow more as we're healing. And so just being patient with ourselves and understanding that the goal isn't an end piece. It's just becoming more and more resilient. Agreed. I heard um, another functional medicine practitioner explain, you know, like you were just saying like parasites and mold and toxins, they all ride together. And it's kind of like in your body, you know, if you had all these like dirty ponds, you know, like water collects, and then there's all this bacteria and mold and everything. And so if you only kill the parasites, but you don't clean up the dirty ponds where everything festers, of course, they're just going to grow back. So that's kind of how we try to address it too, is like, what was that underlying thing that set the storm in motion that created the perfect environment? When we talk with patients, I'm like, you're just being too good of a host to these parasites. They want to just like cozy in and snuggle in and, yeah. you know, hang out there. Like we can't be a good host to them. <laughs> That gets into the whole uh, melatonin piece of just, we're seeing more and more and more people have low levels of melatonin generally due to, well, all sorts of things, including sitting in front of screens all day. And with lower levels of melatonin, our immune system doesn't fend off. And so it's just this vicious cycle um, that, yeah, you're, you're allowing them to live there. And it's not, it's not our fault. We don't know any different, but once we know, we can start to make adjustments. For sure. So let's talk a little bit about keto because that's what you're best known for. And then we'll kind of navigate back around to the parasites. Does that sound good? Yeah. 
So nowadays, keto is more, much more popular. It's gained a lot more acceptance. And of course, that's because there's much more research and data to show how helpful it can be with a myriad of different symptoms and conditions. But even with that, I find like if we bring up in office keto, like maybe you should consider keto, people kind of like shut down to it. You know, I think that there's a connotation like it's too hard or it's going to involve all these like crazy calculations or having to, you know, stick your finger. And I know that I do point them to the keto diet yearbook because it really breaks it down. But I thought maybe a word of encouragement from the keto nutritionist herself on like getting started and kind of, you know, breaking that barrier to attempting a keto diet. What do you think? Yeah. I, well, first off, thank you so much for recommending my book. That um, is wonderful. Thank you. And yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with just our relationship to food. And I think that can be the most challenging. Unfortunately, it takes us getting super, super sick and unwell to be like, wait, maybe what I'm eating isn't working for me. And so I think we have this all or nothing mentality as it relates to some of these food things. As you're first getting started, I see nothing wrong. If you are totally against doing the keto thing and you can't even be bothered with the idea, why not choose to do the keto thing for a day and see what that feels like? And maybe you're able to go another day and see what that feels like. And maybe a third day. And by the fourth day, you're like, you know what? I just want a bowl of granola. Okay, cool. Have the granola, move on. However, if you're that type of person that has a strong relationship to food and you're an all or nothing person where you have binge cycles and there are times where you're not, if, if there's an opportunity to eat anything that's not nailed down, you're going to go for it. Oftentimes with colleagues that have had these experiences that I've chatted with, it's about removing the foods completely and committing to a certain time period. So that might work for you where you say, I'm committing to this for two weeks or three weeks or four weeks. I find the magic number for most people is four weeks. If you can get to the four week mark, you're going to notice a substantial shift. Um, and then once you get a taste of keto, it's sort of like, whoa, what, what, why did I wait this long to do this? But I think it often comes down to just understanding that it's not as challenging as it seems. I know it was really challenging for me when I first got started, the idea of eating all this fat. And at, at the time I was vegan. So go so from going to vegan yeah. to eating bacon was like, what I don't understand. <laughs> it felt um, so wrong, right? It felt so wrong. It felt so wrong, <laughs> but also so right. Like I remember eating a whole full fat coconut milk jar, like can. And I was like, this is so dangerous, you know? <laughs> so I think just baby steps. And also I feel like, uh, um, exogenous ketones can be, um, a nice stepping stone for people to encourage them. Um, so what I'll oftentimes recommend if somebody's really against doing keto and they're like, I don't know how good is it actually going to make me feel. I'll encourage them to fast for the morning and do an exogenous ketone during that fast. And they'll get just a taste of what it feels like to be keto. Mm -hmm. Perhaps their brain speeds up and their yeah. focus dials in and they have so much more energy. And that could kind of be that, oh, is this what it would be like every day if I was eating this way? And it's like, yes, 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 it would. Um, yeah. But I think also we can have that just overwhelm of how am I going to feed my family? How am I going to do work meetings? How am I going to do all of this? And we've tied so much value around um, workplace events and everything around food. I think it's a good opportunity to just, I mean, as somebody who often goes to a 
allergic. I have celiac. I can't eat that. And so it, it's been a good practice for me to kind of separate food and activities from each other. Um, mm -hmm. But you could also do more of a daily fat burner, fat fueled protocol, which is in my book, The Keto Diet, uh, where we just go through every day you're having carbs, you're just moving the carbs to a certain period of time, as opposed to having a free for all all day. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. Um, you know, your body best and what you're going to thrive off of. And if we're moving carbs just seems crazy and you make it until lunch and then you end up eating all the Oreos, then that, <laughs> that process is not working for you. And you need to like, be honest with yourself and figure out another way that you can try this. And it doesn't have to be full blown keto. It could be maybe you're limiting yourself to 150 grams of carbs as opposed to 250. And then you go yeah. to hundred and then maybe you stay there for a month. So right. I think these little minute shifts will make a much better process overall than going all in for three days and then jumping off. And then, you know what I mean? It just gets to be yeah. too much. Well, I love that too. Cause it would be easier if they could get a feel for the benefit. Once people feel good and they're on it, they're convinced, you know, yeah. you don't have to do any more convincing and they're motivated towards the positive and they don't want to lose all those health benefits, but it's true. Like, you know, with anything starting out new, you're going on faith, right? You know, you yeah. don't yet know how good it could be. So I think some of those tips were really helpful. Are you tired of going from diet to diet to come up short and feel worse than you did when you started? Or are you just lost with all the mixed messaging out there today and not sure what's best for you and your lifestyle? Maybe you were told that you had to live with your symptoms and accept feeling less than your typical vibrant self. Well, I'm here to tell you the truth. As a practicing doctor of chiropractic, kinesiology, and clinical nutrition, I see people all the time that are just like you frustrated and starting to lose hope. But I do want you to know that you do not have to give up on the you that you know you could be. There is a way to truly achieve optimal health and also to live your life. I want to share with you how by doing some small doable adjustments and taking on a new approach to enjoyable and non-restrictive eating, we can help you start feeling better and begin to see changes in your waistline and start releasing weight in as little as 14 days. The other thing I wanted to point out, because we have a lot of patients with food sensitivities, that's one of the things we test for in the office. And so I think a lot of people discount that they can't do keto because if they have a dairy sensitivity. But I also wanted to point out your book goes over exactly how to do it dairy-free as well, which I thought was great. Yes. I have been allergic to dairy since forever. I've never had like cheese or milk. And <laughs> I mean, I just wish I could, but it's just not in the cards and you can hundred percent do keto. I actually suggest doing keto without dairy, generally speaking, especially in those that are inflamed and just a hot wreck when it comes digestion wise and things. But I think dairy can be relied on far too much on the ketogenic mm -hmm. diet. And it can be a nice challenge once you get going and you get in the groove to reduce the amount of dairy because it's so easy to overdo. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, a hundred percent, you can do it without dairy. I have for seven years and it's not a big deal. And so your keto cookbook is dairy free. Is that true? 
Yes, the keto diet and the keto diet cookbook, both of those are cookbooks um, and they're all dairy free. Um, the keto diet cookbook um, has ways to add the dairy back in. So all the recipes are 100% dairy free. But if you want to add dairy, I had so many people say, yeah, but what if I wanted to add dairy to this, yeah. that we added that um, to the cookbook and then had somebody test that because I couldn't taste anything. Right. So. <laughs> That would be fun. I would love to have been your cheese test taster. That sounds like a perfect job. Right? Yeah, yeah. She was really thrilled to help me with that. I bet. It's an awesome job. So then let's just kind of talk about how did you go from keto to parasites? Like you talked about it a little bit. And I listened to that episode that you did on on your podcast. And we can put a link to that in the show notes too, if people want to hear more. Um, but I think it, you're t- it was titled something like when diet isn't enough or something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's really where I was um, in 2020. I, I hired a dietitian to help me because, you know, when you're a professional in the space and you look at so many things in a day, it's just like, you can't even with your own, you just get <laughs> blind to things. Yeah. Um, and so I hired somebody and she said, oh man, you totally have a parasite. I'm like a parawetta. And she's like, let's do a test. <laughs> um, so we did a GI map and thank it showed up. Um, like I said, most testing for will not show up. If anyone's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get parasite tested. I have all these symptoms and I'm sure we'll go through symptoms in a bit. Um, then don't be discouraged if it comes back negative, because most people will come back negative. Parasites are super challenging to test for. They live behind biofilms. They get all up in all the nooks and crannies and one stool test isn't necessarily going to capture them. Um, so mine did came back with entamoeba histolytica at that point, I had no idea what this was. It wasn't totally clear to me that this was kind of a big deal, like, cause it's a pathogenic parasite and those things are really tricky to kill. So we did a, um, a 30 day parasite protocol, um, with a company called Cellcore, which I now use a little bit differently in my own we practice. Use them too. That's yeah, what we um, like amazing, amazing, amazing company. Just the products are so effective. I've done, um, probably over 150, maybe 200 at this point, parasite protocols for clients. And I've tried herbals, not Cellcore and then Cellcore and Cellcore wins every time. It's not even a question. Um, and so we did that for 30 days, but it wasn't enough. And after three months, they came back. And so I did it again. I did a full moon protocol. I did it again for 30 days. And after three months, they came back. And finally I was like, okay, so your girl is going to need to figure this out herself. So, um, I went back to school, um, for a couple courses in blood work. So I could see patterns of parasitic infections in, um, blood work. So that was a big one. And then I did another blood work course and studied under a couple of brilliant people, um, including ICI with the mold piece and environmental piece, um, and a couple others with the parasite realm and just reading a whole bunch and learning all about it. Um, and then just took it upon myself to figure it out for myself. So that's kind of how I got into it and then started seeing these patterns in my clients blood work. And so it just kind of all happened that way. Yeah, no, that's, again, we have to heal ourselves and then things morph and turn into other things. And, you know, we're living in these bodies too. So I think, I think God put us on the planet just to be like, okay, you're going to get this and you're going to get that. So you can figure it out and help heal the world, you know? And so it's so much more powerful. I find 
to work with a practitioner that has been where you've been, you know, like I connect so deeply to each of my clients because I know how frustrating it is to be told there's nothing wrong with you. You know, everything's normal. And you're like, it's not normal. I, I don't feel normal. There's something wrong. And that is such a lonely, frustrating place to be. And I think that that, that fuels every conversation I have with clients. And I have to tell you, and I'm sure you experienced this too, Dr. Christie of like sitting across from somebody and they're just so relieved that you're seeing them yeah. and that, that you're hearing them and that you say that something's not right. And that just, that fuels me every day because I've been there of being told I'm crazy and that I need to go see a therapist and that it's all in my head. That's not, that's not good. And yeah. so yeah, it goes a long way when you've experienced what your clients have experienced and finding a practitioner that understands that also is, oh, change, yeah. changes everything. Agreed. Well, we kind of talk about that too. Like, you know, like when I know when I got out of chiropractic school, you kind of have to make a decision. Like, are you going to be high volume or are you going to be wellness? And like, I believe in helping the masses and efficiency and strategies and systems so that I can be more available but, you know, you can't really do high volume when you need to sit down and spend time and dissect a person's history and really like listen to them and provide a space where they will feel open, you know, feel safe to do that with you too. Yeah, it's, it's such a challenge. I've done the high volume thing with all the books mm -hmm. and YouTube and all that stuff. And around 2019 or so, I just decided that I wanted to help people on more of a one-on-one -on -one basis. Mm -hmm. And that has been equally as beneficial, not only for me, but the people that I work with, but I go back and forth. I, I love high volume for like education and those yeah. that can't afford to work with a practitioner one-on-one -on -one, having that information readily available so they can pull up their sleeves and get muddy and figure it out is so yeah. important. But yeah, I really, I really enjoy working one-on-one -on -one with my clients and um, being able to do that over the internet just still blows my mind that we're able to do this no matter where we are. So it's great. That's pretty cool. Leanne's in the Bahamas right now for all the listeners. So she's living the life. <laughs> yeah, with horrible yeah. internet, but um, yeah, it's definitely wonderful to be here. It's a good trade-off. Mm -hmm. So, okay, let's go into parasites. I feel like we could talk forever. It's funny, like certain podcast topics, I have to really like get my head around and like be organized. I'm like, we're just going to riff about parasites. We could do this all day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so true. Okay. So talk about some myths, like people don't have to travel to a foreign country to get parasites, correct? Correct. You can get them from, oh, I'm sorry, kissing your dog, sleeping with your dog. Um, I know I still sleep with my dog. I can't help it. She's Me so too. cute. It just happens. Um, <laughs> sushi, um, not washing your hands, undercooked meat, pork is a really big one. Um, yeah. So you don't have water is another big one. You don't yeah. have to travel outside of your country to get them. And I think that's a huge misconception. And the minute you tell a doctor your symptoms, they'll say, well, have you traveled to Mexico? And you're like, no. And they're like, you can't have a parasite. Um, yeah, you, you totally can. Yeah. We have plenty of parasites right here in America. Sure do. <laughs> okay. So I know this is a really long list. I probably should have just printed it, but you probably have it memorized. So what are some of the most common signs of parasites? Like why would the listeners suspect that they might have them? Yes. Big, big, big ones are things like eye floaters, uh, grinding your teeth. 
That's a really big one. Um, anal itch, that could be a big one, especially I notice when um, you're eating foods like pumpkin seeds, which can actually help to kill parasites, mm -hmm. and then you're getting anal itch following it. Um, what else? Those two are so common. Uh, more uncommon ones are things like biting your nails, um, SIBO. So if you've been diagnosed with SIBO, um, generally the root of SIBO is usually mold or parasites. So that can be a good one. If digestively you either have a ton of constipation or a ton of diarrhea, or you're kind of mixed in between all of those um, skin issues, itching, acne, um, uh, rosacea, eczema. Um, I say that like a Canadian eczema as Americans say it, I think. Uh -huh. um, the increase of symptoms around the moon. So you, you mentioned that at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, so as, as serotonin, um, which is your feel good neurotransmitter increases during the full moon, parasites love serotonin. Um, and so you can start to have a, an increase in symptoms during the full moon, sometimes up to like five days, maybe even more before or after. Um, so if all of a sudden your symptoms are increasing, uh, that could be a sign, um, blurry vision. So if all of a sudden you notice over the last couple of months that you're having to like rub your eyes and like clear them out. And you're like, do I need to get my glasses checked? Or maybe I need to go to the eye doctor. What is happening here? Um, that can be it. Dry lips that extend past the lips even can be some, um, oh, uh, this was one that I struggled with. In fact, when I first met my now husband, we were watching a movie dating and I drooled all over his shoulder and felt when I <laughs> fell asleep, um, drooling while you're sleeping is a big one. And then just like a common, very common thing that I now have on my intake form is, have you ever been diagnosed with Giardia? Because Giardia, let me tell you, um, it's unfortunate. It is one of the most common parasites to be diagnosed mm -hmm. um, that I've noticed in my practice. And oftentimes treatment is not used for Giardia. Um, people are told to just wait two weeks and things will just figure itself out. Mm -hmm. Giardia has a three month life cycle and that baby likes to burrow up in all sorts of places, including the ducts of the gallbladder. And oftentimes, uh, I, I don't have any data to support this, but I've seen it enough that I could confidently say I've seen this pattern is um, women specifically who have had Giardia or some sort of um, uh, food-based illness or traveled. And then a couple of years later, they get their gallbladder taken out. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that Giardia is, is super common and will go chronic and can cause issues in future um, headaches, migraines. Those are kind of the big, big, big ones. When, yeah. when somebody says eye floaters, I instantly am like, you think you maybe have a parasite? I think you might have a parasite. We should, we should right. talk about parasites more deeply. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think people think if they're not pooping their brains out, that they don't have parasites, you know, they yes. think it's just gastrointestinal, but most of what you listed wasn't a GI symptom, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been linked with like Even mental health issues as well, website. like neurological disorders as well. Yes, completely. I mean, dark circles under your eyes. I mean, the, yeah, the list goes on and on, but yeah. those are some of the most common ones. And I think, I know we're going to put a link to your download. Um, the, you have a nice worksheet to kind of like, um, help people through to see if they might have parasites and kind of walk them through like assessing themselves. Um, and it kind of says that on there, like 
I think you said if you have 15 or more on a regular basis or, or something like that, right? Yeah, exactly. And you can even use your blood work. I talk about that on my mm-hmm. podcast too, um, using patterns of blood work to indicate um, what could be going on mm-hmm. beyond diagnostic ranges. So mm-hmm. understanding that when we go to our doctor and we get blood work taken, our doctors, our allopathic doctors are there to diagnose and treat disease. So if they tell you that your blood work looks great, congratulations, they see nothing wrong diagnostically with you. That's great. That means the ball is still in your court and the Mm -hmm. things that you're experiencing are likely more functional in nature. And so if we tighten up the ranges of blood work, because unfortunately the ranges that they're using are for the sickest of the sick. And by the time that range gets out of, like that number gets out of range, it can be bad news bears. And so, um, by tightening up the ranges, we can see things like parasitic patterns. So for example, um, if you do not have asthma or breathing issues, because this will raise eosinophils, if your eosinophils, basophils, monocytes are elevated, plus you have low ferritin, um, and maybe you have high or low white blood cells, platelets, maybe your AST, ALT is imbalanced, um, that can be a classic parasite pattern, especially with the asonophils, basophils, and monocytes. And so that can give you more of an indication. In fact, when I was, when I started learning about all this, I went through my blood work and I found exactly the trip that we were on that I think that I got into Meba histolytica and I researched that country. And sure enough, that's the most common parasite. And I could see it in my blood work from 2009 to 2020. Every time I got blood work, there it was, there it was, and nobody caught it. And so you can use your standard Um, CBC with differential to determine whether or not this could be an issue. Um, And because ferritin is parasite food, oftentimes the ferritin will be lower. Uh, But if you're living in an inflammatory um, body, oftentimes the ferritin will be higher. So it's not always a good indicator. So if your ferritin looks normal or elevated, it doesn't rule out parasites. It just means that probably it's inflated because of inflammation. And if the inflammation were being taken away, the ferritin would go back to normal, um, which is oftentimes after you kill parasites, your ferritin will um, drop down. And that's not uncommon um, just as we're reducing inflammation and such. Yeah. You also had said, I think I listened to this in your podcast on the parasites. Like if you're trying to take iron and do a parasite cleanse at the same time, it could be counterproductive, correct? It's true. It's so I actually, um, onboarded a client the other day who had like massive, uh, iron anemia to the point, like she needs iron and we need to get to the root cause of what's causing the anemia. But when you have a ferritin of like three and your TIBC, UIBC is off the chart, it becomes, we have to make you feel better. And that iron is going to help, but it might also feed the parasites, but sometimes you just got to pick and choose until you get the body into a good place. And so it, it's really a matter of understanding and working with a practitioner that goes through all those details and you need to prioritize. Like if you're, if your ferritin is three, we can kill the parasites, but you're going to feel horrible the whole time. So maybe we get your iron up to a good level while also figuring out why the iron is so low and why you're having an issue with that probably digestively because there's some stuff going on uh, beyond parasites even. And so generally that was, that was my struggle too. My ferritin was 23 when I was diagnosed with the parasite piece. Um, and I was put on iron 
which I would, I would never do for a client. Um, if, if the ferritin is below 17, I start to think, okay, maybe we need to think about iron before, um, we, we address parasites, but at, at 20 plus my general, general rule, not always because everyone's unique is like, let's deal with the iron later. It's probably low ferritin, especially is probably low just because of parasites, but there, there's a lot more to understanding, um, iron need. And I think that, you know, we look at ferritin and if ferritin is up or down, that's iron, but it's not necessarily true. The better indicators are iron saturation and TIBC. So if you have a TIBC over 360, that could be a sign of iron need. And if the iron saturation is below 20, that could be a sign of iron need. And so by looking at more markers than just ferritin, you can determine do I need iron or can it wait a little bit while we fix the parasite situation and kind of see how ferritin, which will take about three months or so to recuperate after, um, can, can balance out after, after you address the parasites. Americans spend $33 billion every single year on diets and weight loss products and yet diets have a 95% failure rate. These statistics and my 18 plus years experience as a practicing doctor show me the real dangers of a cookie cutter approach to health and that truthfully, diets don't work. This is why I created the 9010 Lifestyle. For the people like you and me, busy and not willing to settle for less when it comes to our health and wellness. This program isn't just about feeling fantastic and or losing weight for good, it's a roadmap to upgrading your body and mind from the inside out while simultaneously suppressing the inflammation and suppressing the guilt that often comes with a high stress, high expectations, and high performance. The number one reason the 9010 lifestyle is so effective and easy to maintain is that it gives you back your willpower instead of forcing it. Right. And sometimes the, you know, those tests that you mentioned are just on a common CBC and metabolic panel from an allopathic. And then other times they're not tested Correct. at all. So you guys will have to go in, you have a folder in your desk or old blood lab sitting around, see how extensive it has been. And even just look for some of these patterns that Leanne mentioned. And, you know, you can kind of do your own little assessment without some kind of like really expensive functional tool. Yes. But we do like some of the tests. Do you want to talk about like, when is it time to do a test? I love what you said. You're like, if you test positive for parasites, you have them. If you test negative, you probably still have parasites. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so how do you know it's when so to true. test? Yeah. How do they know when to test? Yeah. <laughs> so I, as a practitioner, I'm always very conscious of people's money, right? Because yeah. like these tests and everything get really expensive really quickly. If you're constantly digging and trying to find answers. So my number one tool is always blood work. Like you can, the beautiful thing about America is that you can just go to a lab, many of them, like anytime yeah. labs and a bunch yeah. of different ones and just say, Hey, I want a CBC with differential and a CMP 14 and some iron markers and you will pay maybe $60. And so yeah. I with blood work first, just see, can we catch these patterns on your standard blood work? If that doesn't work, can we catch the patterns in your symptomatology? If you're like, yes, 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 yes. To everything we just talked about symptoms wise, then do you really need a test? Mm, no. I don't think so. But if, 
things aren't lining up or there's a lot of GI issues happening and we don't even know like what's happening and where things need to go, I'll often use a GI map by Diagnostic Solutions. Mm -hmm. Now that, that test is quite pricey. And so, like I said, I like to do blood work and symptoms or symptoms only or a combination of those. And then if we just can't make sense of things or we're unsure, I'll find a GI map can be beneficial. Um, and I just, I don't use them a lot in my practice. I know that a lot of practitioners require a GI map when you start working with them. That's cool. But I often find that if there are a bunch of things going on, we can spend a couple of months fixing the low hanging fruit. And then we might say, okay, the GI is still not hundred percent. Do you want to do a GI map? Cause we've done everything here and there's still something going on and we just want to make sure. So I just like to be conscious. Now, if you have unlimited budget and you're like, I really want to know like myself personally, I like doing a GI map every six months just to like check on things. Like, am I still okay? Is everything still good? Because yeah. the thing about this work is we're not living in a vacuum. So right. as you're addressing parasites, you could very well get another parasite. And so yeah. We need to understand that, especially as you're addressing these things, your body is not in a place yet where it can fight off those things. And so being really conscious, like clean your produce, like actually clean your produce. Mm -hmm. The best way to do is with hydrogen peroxide, like food grade hydrogen peroxide, super cheap, super easy. Spray it, wait 30 seconds, rinse it off. Um, don't eat undercooked meats at all. Um, I would avoid pork and certain things that you can do to just mitigate that avoid sushi as you're working through it. But I like to use those functional tests when there's either no low hanging fruit, we don't have answers in the blood work or symptoms. And we're kind of like, okay, what now, yeah. then it can be good. But I don't, I don't entirely love throwing money at the problem. And the issue of having all this data is that sometimes it's just a matter of what is the diet looking like? Could we make improvements and then test? Because I think sometimes I've worked with practitioners in the past when I was totally clueless about all this stuff going on. And they're like, yeah, here are the five tests you need before you start working with me. And it's like, I just, it gets really expensive and there has to be low hanging fruit. And oftentimes there is with every single client I meet, I'm like, oh, okay, we can make some huge improvements here. And then let's see how that goes. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And it's kind of the same. Like, I guess we kind of have the same mentality. You know, if a patient isn't progressing, they're doing all the correct, seemingly right things, diet, nutrition, lifestyle, supplement protocol. It's now not getting 100% or you're not just, you know, moving the needle. Sure, then you need some additional tests because like you pointed out, they're expensive, but then you also have to retest after, right? To yes. prove that they're better. <laughs> oh, the retesting. Oh man, this is just... <laughs> It's so hard. And I don't know about you, but I have such a hard time convincing my clients that they need to retest yeah. because they feel better and everything's good. And I'm like, I would suggest retesting just so we can make sure. And I can't tell you how many times I've onboarded clients who've worked with other practitioners and they're like, yeah, I was told I had a parasite. Here's the test. I'm like, okay, well, where's the follow-up test? So like, we didn't do that. Yeah. And so like put it in your budget to retest and yeah. 
if, if we can see the patterns in the blood work, which oftentimes we can, especially for parasites, it's super simple. Sometimes the retest is just blood and that's great. That was a couple dollars and it's great, but I, yes, retesting. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about how to get rid of these buggers. They are kind of hard to get to, because like you said, they can come along with mold and other infections. They can have toxins they can hold on to heavy metals. And they lay eggs. <laughs> they do. Do you want to talk about some treatment protocols? Yeah. So um, there are a couple of, of ways that I like to do it. And it really depends on what type of parasite and how long symptoms have been going on. And mm -hmm. so there's really two tracks that I see in my mind. And it, and it, it comes really down to finances and how long you want to go at this. So my, my understanding of parasites is if you've been at it for more than three or four months, I'm going to go like max four, then parasites, like you've done all you can with the parasite thing. It's time to move on. And oftentimes that moving on is mold. And so in my mind, I have two tracks with the parasite bit. One is more of a herbal track where we're using things like Marinda or Alaria or Golden Thread or Artemisia, Mimosa, Pudica, which is also Para One from Cellcore, yeah. um, things like AP from Byron White or those sorts of things where they're just more um, individual herbs or herb blends. Okay, so that's one track that's going to be less expensive. Then the okay. second track is if you want to kill these guys and do it quickly but spend mon money doing it, it's Cellcore without a doubt. Like. I will always choose Cellcore if the client is like, yeah, I can spend that money. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. So then after we've opened drainage pathway, the drainage is so important. You have to start with foundational um, support for drainage, uh, including making sure that you're pooping regularly, um, that you're sweating well, um, that you're deep belly breathing, um, those sorts of things, lymphatic massage or lymphatic movement of some, mm -hmm. of some sort. And once that's done, we work on parasites. Now we have those two tracks, the herbal track or the cell core track. Um, I don't generally deviate from that um, because I've just, I found two systems that work, but if I had to choose, it would always be cell core. And then we're gonna run that for ideally at least two months, preferably up to four months. But after that, I, I just, I don't think that you need it past that. I know that at that point, there could still be parasites. There totally could still be parasites, mm -hmm. but we need to also think of like the overkilling process of just, if you are taking, um, what's the one that I see everyone taking? And I'm like, why are you doing this? Um, uh, walnut holes. Is that the one? Oh yeah. So, Black where people are just yeah. taking it forever. And I'm like, no, 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 stop. Yeah. There has to be a reason why the parasites are able to be there. And oftentimes it's mold or metals. And so the next step is like, let's move on from the parasite stuff. We're going to like antifungals are going to address parasites. They will. So let's move on and assess mold. And, um, what did I read the other day? I think it's like 85% of homes in America have mold. And so if you have a pulse, you have a parasite. And if you mm -hmm. are alive, you've been subjected to some mold in your life. And yeah. so let's start detoxing from those mycotoxins and that detoxification on its own is generally enough to get rid of parasites, mm -hmm. at least to the point where you have a leg up on them. And then at that point, it's just a matter of 
Um, do we continue on to metal work? depending on the severity of the issue. If somebody is living in mold, it's a very different approach than if somebody is not living in mold. But I find if somebody has been doing, there are these, I'm sure there's somebody listening or they've been on a parasite protocol for eight plus months and nothing has changed. It's time to move on, like get going, start thinking about mold and metals, start thinking about moving on because oftentimes it's a matter of by the time you get through mold, you're like, well, I, don't have any parasite symptoms. And so, um, yeah, it's really a matter of, of moving on. Um, and then also if you want to sprinkle in like what I do now, having been cleared of parasites, you bet every other month I'm doing a full moon protocol, like, mm -hmm. and I will do that until I die <laughs> because uh. I just, I just don't want them again. I never want to have to deal with that again. And, um, because our world has parasites every day, we, we can be subjected to them our bodies become a lot more and more resilient. However, I just want to be sure that there isn't a problem. Um, so that's kind of the approach that I take, but I think, um, anything beyond four months, generally speaking, uh, is just not necessary and can just be a waste of money generally. Yeah, no, I think that's good for people to know the expectation, you know, because if they're living with some of these chronic ailments, of course, they're in a hurry. That's the problem. You probably get the same patients like they want these things gone yesterday because yeah. they've been dealing with it much longer than you or I have come on the scene and start dealing it, with it together with them. And so, yeah, it's important for them to know that it's not going to be an overnight or a one or a two week thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's really the lifestyle pieces too. Like oftentimes I find people are like, yeah, yeah, just give me a protocol. Tell me what I need to take. Yeah. It's like, you can do, do all the supplements and a pro a good protocol is probably going to range anywhere between 200 to sometimes even $500, depending on what you're working on. That's a lot of money and it will be effective. But if you are still going out to eat and eating sushi and staying up late and sitting in front of your computer and not going for walks and not looking at the sun sometimes or going outside, like they will come back. We need to make your body more resilient. We need to make your body stronger and you can supplement with everything you want, you know, but it's, it's not going to make a lasting impact if your lifestyle and your food isn't on. Agreed. And also understanding that trauma is a big part of this. Um, mm -hmm. and it's not something that I'm well versed in. I don't not moving on from that. And it's five years later, trauma can be really important to address in order to move things. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. I know. I think, um, I've interviewed other practitioners and I always ask them like, do you, what is the number one thing that you think is like overlooked in health? And I think everybody says it's the mental health, the self-love, and you talk a lot about that in your writing. I love that. Yeah, definitely. I would say, yeah, just taking time for yourself, even if that's, you know, a busy mom with three kids can't take time. It's just, yeah. there's no time to take. Yeah. I agree. I think just those little practices, Vegas nerve work can go a long, long way. Um, uh -huh. and it takes just moments and all those little adjustments. We think it's so silly, but all those little adjustments make a big, big impact. They do. I love that you address the lifestyle bit too, because that's so important. Mm-hmm.
And then water damage. I'm in Florida. So like you said, uh, did you say 85% of homes have some kind of like mold? In yeah, I'm like all here in 150% <laughs> in Florida have mold. <laughs> like every Florida home likely has mold. <laughs> it's like a breeding ground here for mold. Perfect conditions. Especially yeah, that in Texas. Yeah, yeah, my my clients in Florida and Texas by far are, yeah. Anytime somebody says Texas, I'm like, so you're dealing with mold, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty common. Pretty common. Okay. So tell us, I always ask practitioners this because you see amazing stuff like we do. Do you, is there like one standout testimony, life-changing thing, um, person or story case history you could tell us about that has been, you could do keto or parasite or the combo? So one woman really sticks out to me and it's really, I don't know if you do this too, but I start to kind of clump ladies together that kind of have similar stories and stuff like that. And there's a, a certain type of woman that, um, I think is always fuels me a little bit. Like it's like picking your favorite child. It's so challenging. Um, <laughs> but you go into your doctor and they see your body. And if that body is larger instantly, it's lose weight and come back. And then we can talk about other things. Right. And oftentimes, you know, this specific lady has been so incredibly dedicated to the process. And like, you tell me to jump, I will just, how high, how high do you want me to jump? And, um, she's had so much success, mostly mental success of there was something wrong. And now I understand what that wrong thing is and we're fixing it slowly. And the amount of patience that she has for the process and uh, dedication that she's had toward this is just incredible. And, um, yeah, I would just, I, I think it goes back to my comment earlier of like, when you're sitting across from that person and you say, yes, I see what you see, mm -hmm. there's an issue and we're going to work together to come up with solutions because it's really a work together thing. I think that's also, um, some women that stick, to, stick out is like, they're just applying themselves to this process and and wanting to take care of themselves with patience and persistence and lots of questions um yeah i mean there's just there's so many and i think we can get into a dangerous slippery slope if i say yeah i put them on a protocol and 10 months later their life was so much better and everything was together i don't again i don't think we get to that final destination it's just a matter of being able to do the things that god put us on this earth to do Mm -hmm. while serving our communities and our families better. And that's really my goal. Yeah. Getting back to life, you know, that's, we talk about that, like we take a history and we talk about symptom improvement, but then we also talk about like, but what would life be like if you didn't have this certain condition or ailment? Like, what is it preventing you from doing or participating in fully and being fully present with your family, your community, living your purpose, you know, that you're totally right. And that's what motivates clients and patients to stay on program with you when they're moving towards something that they really like they miss doing or, you know, can't fathom doing. Yes, completely. So then this is the weird works podcast. So as if like full moon and parasites aren't weird enough for people, <laughs> are there any other weird things that you've tried in all your travels and research? What is like one of the weirdest therapies or something you've ever done? <laughs> okay. So, um, it's not weird now, but I remember it feeling so weird and there was no way I was ever going to do it. No, no way. When I was studying nutrition in 2007, there was a lady in my class. Her name was Amanda. She was obsessed with 
coffee enemas. And like she bought everyone in the class a coffee enema kit. She was obsessed (laughs) with them. And that thing sat in my living room for like three years. And then I threw it out and I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to try this. A couple, probably about a year ago, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try it. Everyone's talking about this stupid thing and I just want to try it. I love it. I love it. I do one a week. I love it. I couldn't imagine my life without it. We live on a boat and there's not a lot of space, but I have my coffee enema stuff and enough to last me six months. And I just couldn't even imagine not having it. So for a lot of people, the idea of that just sounds totally bizarre. And I have many clients who have, who have reluctantly tried it and then come back to me and they're like, Leanne, it's amazing. How did I not? I, I'm sorry. I didn't trust you. This is absolutely incredible. Um, so that would probably be the, the one that I resisted the most that I'm so thankful. I just did it because I mean, I, I love them. I love them. Great. I love it. No, we've done them too. And we recommend it. We have like a little infographic, like how to do it. And um, it's funny. Um, Okay. So that was so informative. I think people will get a lot out of this and be able to do a self-assessment, whether it's like just symptoms or consider some additional testing or even to just pull out old blood work that they already have and kind of see if they see some of the patterns that you mentioned with the ferritin, the white blood cells, and then the little differential when we, and eosinophils and that kind of thing. Um, But if patients want to connect with you, um, our listeners want to learn more, where should we send them? Yeah, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com and there's a ton of resources on there about blood work and keto and all sorts of things. Um, And if you're on Instagram, my name is at Leanne Vogel, um, L-E-A-N-N-E-V-O-G-E-L. And you can DM me there. Um, Those are kind of the best ways. And then I have a podcast, the Keto Diet Podcast. Um, So a bunch of ways that you can connect with me and on my website, there's a way to Uh, send me an email if you have questions and all those things. So yeah, that's what I would recommend. Very good. And we will put all those links for your guide for the listeners convenience in the show notes. Any last comments or words from you today? I I don't think so. I just want to thank you for having me on Dr. Christy. This was really great. I so appreciate it. And um, yeah, just thanks. Thanks for having me on to share about those little critters. Oh, one thing I do have to mention if you find out you have a parasite, you've got to name him. So yes, that is a thing. We have Seth. <laughs> we have, I don't even know. I should, we should keep a board. I love that. You do. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a fun little thing I like to do. Mine was Bob and Bob really oh. didn't want to die. He, he put up a really good fight. Bob, you got to come up with a mnemonic or something or a rhyme though. Cause Seth, I was like, okay, death to Seth. That works. So, I love you know, it. You'd get a little more extravagant with the names. They're harder for me to rhyme, but yes, I agree with you fully. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. It's been awesome. Um, we will put all of Leanne's contact info and references that she mentioned in the show notes. Definitely take advantage of the free download and little um, you know, questionnaire that she's provided for you guys. I think that'll be a valuable tool. And as usual, this has been another episode of the Weird Works podcast in Good Health Naturally. I'm Dr. Christy. I'll talk to y'all soon. Your health and how you feel on a daily basis directly impact your mental, emotional, and spiritual health. We will help you reprogram your way of thinking and be on a plan that works 
for your body instead of against it. It is time to rewrite the false belief that health abnormalities are normal and that it just is what it is. You do not have to live with feeling less than 100%. We invite you to take a serious look at how you feel on a day-to-day -day basis. Is what you're doing working? Do you want to learn how to live a more holistic life that's still enjoyable and fun? The 90-10 lifestyle can be the bridge from subpar results to the vibrant and abundant lifestyle that you've been looking for. So click the link by this video so you can get started today. We truly, truly know that this program can change your life. We'll see you on the inside.